We're going to talk today on building to withstand the storms. In Jesus, we're finishing up the Sermon on the Mount. Next, the next time I preach, we will be ending this lesson, and we've got one more to go in this series. But I want you to think about building to withstand the storms. In Matthew 7, 24 through 27, it says, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was the fall. As I read this, I recognize a couple of things. Number one, these houses may have appeared very much alike. The big difference is what is they are standing upon. And if you take the landscape, the landscape reminds me very much of when my kids were little and John, one Sunday morning, said that he would like to go with his grandparents to church because he liked their church better than where we went. And I said, why do you like the church there better than where we go? He said, because they give you donuts there. <laughs> and that's pretty good reason. I want you to see that one house is built on a solid foundation, a rock. The other sets upon the beach, and the view is much different there. It looks a lot prettier than the one that's setting over here on the rock. And Jesus is trying to explain something that things may look wonderful over here. But you need to look at the foundation upon which this house is built upon. I recognize that people here have been through storms. And I recognize many of you are going through storms. This country has seen terrible things this year. The tornadoes, the hurricanes, all of these things... And people literally lost all of their physical possessions. The fires have raged. And if you have a home that has been burnt down, you recognize that these storms and so on have impacted millions and millions of lives. Such tragedies reveal much about people. One of the things that you notice about people is the contractors who had built below the standards of code. And things were destroyed and it showed that their work was not good. It may have looked good on the outside, but it was destroyed when the storm came. And then, did you notice the price gouging that goes on? Now when a storm comes and then the tragedy of people's lives, people want to take advantage and it's all about money. But you also notice that communities came together. Those storms of life did something wonderful with some people. 
they brought them together. And for a little while, they worked in unity and are still working in unity. And Jesus compares these storms of life and these buildings of those who act upon his teaching and those who do not. And in this lesson, I want to answer three main questions. What did the houses of the fools and wise represent? And what storms is Jesus talking about? And how can we build to withstand the storms? Now, if we get those three things, we've got a lot. Because sometimes we just read the words and do not really understand what is being said and what is being taught. And it's like we said in another lesson, sometimes we look in the mirror and we've got dirt on our face and we expect the mirror to clean it. And we just walk away the same as when we first started. It's very hard for people in the church many times to apply the things that Jesus says to their lives because there's so much junk going on around us and we're caught up in the world. And the house represents our lives. Do you realize that we're in control of our lives from the standpoint that we make decisions? You never get in control of what's going to happen because that's just time and chance for everybody. But when you look at these storms, it may involve a literal storm. Each of us is building a house. And in life, you're going to face the storms of life. You remember the sermon that we preached upon the God of the hills and the valleys? And that the Assyrians, when they looked, they saw that we can't beat the people of God if we're on a mountain. But if we get into a valley, we'll be able to beat them. And when they got in the valley, the people of God beat them there too. And they finally come to the realization, this is the God of the hills and the valleys. Everybody has hills and everybody has values, valleys. And in life, you're going to face these storms. How you respond to these things is going to determine your destiny eternally. And so this is the seriousness of this. The storms of life does wonderful things or bad things. I was telling John the other day that I heard about a fellow that this preacher had met and he said, how are things going? And he says, awful. He says, I've lost all faith in prayer. He said, why? He said, because if you see, I don't have any real blessings. And he said, well, the last time I saw you several years ago, you were rich and you had great blessings and you told how the Lord had blessed you. He said, yeah, but I lost all that and I don't have any faith anymore. And there was another man that was laying and he was dying and he was all swollen up and had what we used to call dropsy. It was congestive heart failure and he had asthma. And he had a terrible asthma attack one time and he got to thinking in that asthma attack and he prayed to God and he remembered some things that God had said and he said, you know, God, you have blessed me so much and you continue to bless me. And he died talking about the blessings God had given him. That's two viewpoints. One has built upon a solid foundation. The other has built upon the sand and we're losing this. You ha have to build on a firm foundation. 
And that firm foundation, let me talk about just a few of them. Number one, doctrine. Church-going people have doctrine that they believe in. Now that doctrine may be the doctrine of the preacher. That doctrine may be the doctrine of some rabbi. That doctrine may be the doctrine of many people, or it may be a hero of yours. We all have our heroes. The Bible says very simply in 2 John 9, Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abides in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. So if I get into the doctrine of Christ, I've got a solid foundation. Many are building upon the foundation of their parents. They're building upon the foundation of what they've been taught by other people. Many are building upon the foundation that the church teaches. You know, people ask me, what does the church of Christ believe? I have no idea. I know what I believe. And I think that that should really be the answer of every individual here, don't you? I know what I believe, and what I believe, and I hope that everybody else here believes, is what Jesus said, what the apostles said. They remained in the apostles' doctrine. That's the doctrine I want to be in. And then there's great philosophers. Oh, everybody has a philosophy. Bella told me, he said, you know what, I don't go to the church there anymore. He said, for the simple reason that I don't agree with you. I said, where do you disagree? He said, well, I, I could tell you. Well, I said, well, then tell me. He said, well, I'm going on vacation now, and I'll tell you when I get back. And it's been a long vacation. <laughs> he has a different philosophy. Well, philosophy can be good or it can be bad. If we're just going on philosophy, why would we divide on that? And it was all over, I believe, that when we die, we go to heaven. Now, my brother John doesn't believe that, and that's okay. As I said, he's wrong, and I'm right. We also have ourselves, and ourselves mean that I go by my feelings. I look at my feelings, and I say, this is the way I feel. If any of you that have kids, if you know something, you know that your feelings change day by day. You look one time, and there they are asleep, and you just want to eat them up. And then there's other times you look at them and say, you know, I'd like to strangle them. <laughs> Our feelings are different, and you wake up different every day. But what is consistent is what God says. That's why we sing we're building upon that solid rock, that one solid rock. I was amazed as I talked to Mary this week, and her mother is in such critical condition. And I know that she's in terrible pain. I mean Mary is in terrible pain. And yet she says, I'm just putting it all in the hands of God. I'm turning it over to God. And she said, we'll be there tomorrow morning to praise God. Man, oh man, don't you like that in the storms of life? Those storms build you up. And Jeannie, she's here this morning. She doesn't feel like being here, but she can't stay away from here because she, she loves the assembly. Ah, that's great. 
Then there is, of course, Jesus Christ is that solid foundation. In fact, the Bible says there's no other foundation that's been when laid but that of Christ Jesus. That's the foundation we build upon. We say, weren't the apostles the foundation? Well, they were the foundation in the sense that they taught just what Jesus said. And so we stay on the apostles' doctrine because it's all built on Jesus Christ. It's all about Jesus Christ. And these tests we encounter is going to tell just what kind of character you have. Have you noticed that many people are tossed to and fro in a storm? They don't know what to do. Do you remember the apostle Paul was in quite a storm one time and he said, fellas, calm down, calm down, calm down. They said, we're not going to calm down. We've got to do something. And they finally sank the boat. And Paul said, I told you not to worry. And they got off on an island. You remember that? You remember the storm that Jesus and the apostles were in? This, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? He's asleep. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Jesus said, calm down. Get your faith in order. I'm in control of this. And we need to learn that Jesus is in control. Now, I can be controlled by all these things, or I can control these things through Jesus. You know, we can't stop death. We can't stop all of these terrible things that come upon us. We can't stop sickness. We can't stop. But we can learn to deal with these things because it's only a little while. I'm going to tell you something. I'm 82 years old. And as far as my body, it's just about gone. I'm going to try to swim this next week. Oh, man, that ought to be fun. <laughs> but I want you to notice something. It's like the Bible says that though our outward man perish, yet our inward man is strengthened day by day. You see, I can still swim in my mind. I can still jump fences in my mind. I can still do all of those things in my mind. My body will not cooperate, but I'm going to get a new body. And if I'm getting a new body, <laughs> Man, I can remember when I first got my first bicycle. Oh, what a thrill it was. But you know that thing wore out. The body that we're going to get, the Bible says, won't wear out. It's not going to rust. It's not going to decay. It's not going to have arthritis. It's not going to have all of these terrible things. We're going to really live. We get our little moments to where we skip and hop, and I'm going off today, and I'm going to skip and hop all I can. But it won't last. It will create a memory, and that's good, but it won't last. Now, one of the things about storms, the storms threaten our well-being, and so they're scary. We just have to admit that they're scary. When the doctor says, you have this and you have that, and by the way, the doctor said to me, you have diabetes. You have sugar diabetes. I've got a bad heart, and you've got sugar diabetes. But thanks be to God, I don't have sugar diabetes now. I have beat it. If you want to know how, I can tell you. I didn't have sugar diabetes bad. I did the right things. I listened not to the doctor. I listened to people that had diabetes and cured it. Maybe we, that's a lesson to learn spiritually. 
You don't listen to the wrong people spiritually. You listen to the ones that have overcome. So they threaten our well-being, and it may involve literal storms. Oh, I can remember in Oklahoma when I was just a little guy, and you know there's certain memories that you have. I remember, for example, that my mother, they used to believe that when a person died, that if you didn't kiss them or touch them, that you would have nightmares. So they made me kiss my dad when I was two years old when he died, was laid out upon a table, and I had to kiss him. And it caused nightmares in me. <laughs> so sometimes the advice of people that have heard many things is not the best thing. But as you look, these literal storms that come, when the doctor tells you you have a bad bone disease, a storm just started, didn't it? And we can't deal with those storms ourselves. We can sympathize and we can empathize, but we can pray. And that's what I do because that's about all I can do. I wish I could take some of the pain, but I can't. <coughs> Tornadoes, fires, hurricanes, floods, famine, all of these things, they come suddenly. And like Job, it may take away everything that we have. I mean, it's all gone. But my relationship with God is still there. Your family, your property, your money. What would you do if you went tomorrow and the bank said, we're broke, you don't get your money? And that can happen. It has happened. Ah, oh, my brethren, how we respond is going to determine whether it destroyed us or not. All the property's gone, the money's gone, all of these things are gone. But what did it do to us? Does my relationship with God get even closer? Or do I think that God has forsaken me? Emotionally, do we become a basket case? And it's called depression. I've been depressed before. And many of you have been depressed before. And it's the most awful feeling in the world. You just don't want to move at all. You just want to sit there. You just want to lay there. You just want to, I just want to die. My son comes to me, comes to visit dad. And dad's, they're feeling so sorry for himself. He's just dying. He's dying. And my son said to me, dad, it's time you grew up. Well, I didn't like it, but I decided nobody was going to feel sorry for me, so I just decided to grow up. How do you continue on? Jeannie, how do you continue on? We know something better is coming. That's how you can go on. I know something better is coming. I don't think something better is coming. I know something better is coming. I would, I'll tell you, it would be hell to live People say, oh, I hope you live to be a hundred. That would be hell to me here on earth. I don't want to live to be a hundred. I want to live as long as the Lord wants me around for some reason, whatever it is. I want to be here. But the minute he says go, I want to go. Now, I'm hoping it's not going to happen today, but I don't know, and you don't. <laughs> then there are those figurative storms. Oh, there's illness. You know what? It's very hard to think spiritually whenever you're physically sick. 
and it takes twice the work and over and over, you say in a reverent way, oh God, oh God, help me, help me. Help me what? To get the peace that God has, and do you know how to do that? Philippians says, he says, number one, you look at God and praise God for who God is. God, you are wonderful and you are marvelous. And the second thing is, he says, you, you, you start thinking about others. And when you do that, you're not just thinking about yourself. And he said, and the peace of God will take care of you. So that's what I have to do in these storms. Is it hard? Yes. We have the death of a loved one. Oh, oh, what a, how deeply it hits your heart. A family has just suffered the loss of a loved one. And I hurt so badly for you. But I admire you so much for the way that you've carried on. Thank God that I'm with soldiers that go through these things like that. Many have suffered financial disaster. And yes, many of us have suffered persecution. But what do all these things do? They reveal the quality of our building. What are you really made of? So many just give up. The very key to all of this is Jesus is the key to overcoming. Now, how do I get to that? And the Bible says, the Bible says that being a hearer is not enough. But be ye doers of the word. Now, do you get that? Be doers of the word. My mind is all over here. Get your mind back on what is important. The Lord, the Lord, the Lord. Not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. How many deceived people are out in the world today? Deceived because they think that they're all right and they haven't really looked. You have to examine and find out, is there a God and is God really there? And does God really hear my prayers? You have to discover that. And people say, well, I didn't really think so. Well, then he's probably not hearing you. Why? Because you don't ask in faith. If I really ask in faith, and Jesus says, if you don't really believe that you're going to receive what you're asking for, you won't. The problem is we don't ask according to his will. I don't ask that God take, make my knee back good. It's not going to get good. I try to pray about you. Do I pray about me? Yes, God give me my daily food. But if I, if I don't have my daily food, then all my brethren are starving too. Because I can get my daily food as long as I have brethren that have food. How oh, we worry too much. 
For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror, for he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. It's easy to forget, you know. Pagey is kind of, my wife is kind of a deceiver <laughs> in that she tells me, you're a good-looking man. And then I look in the mirror and I say, she didn't tell me the truth. I go there looking for something. Like the unscrupulous builder over here in the storms of physical life, we are unscrupulous in the test and it reveals what we've built upon. As Moses said in Numbers 32, 23, be sure that your sins will find you out. Oh, we can hide it from everybody. You know how, what we have to do? We have to do what Jesus says. Do you love him enough to let him completely take control of your life? Completely take control of your thinking? Completely be your, your bread, your water, your everything? The one that I am thirsting for righteousness. God, come into my life, Jesus. Heal me. And when you get healed inside, it doesn't matter about the exterior. That old house can look like it's just falling down. So what if, if I do what Jesus says, it will work. People say, oh, it won't work. Yeah, it'll work. And you're going to be able to stand. Your foundation is sure. James says in 125, whosoever looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer and a doer, this man is blessed in his deed. Now, how the words of Jesus cause us to withstand the storms? Well, we're laying up our treasures you know where your treasure is, there your heart will be. He said, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break, break and steal. If I have a lasting treasure, the loss of these temporary things means really little. He tells us what we are to seek. In Matthew 6, 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. Do you know what we do? We seek our righteousness. We need to seek his righteousness. And his righteousness is in Jesus Christ. His righteousness is not in how well and how good I do because I fail every day. But I am practicing righteousness. When you're practicing, you haven't perfected it. I'm practicing righteousness every day. And God looks at what your goal is and what you're trying to accomplish and then his son's blood takes care of those things that I lack in. Jesus Christ is our righteousness. 
I think that's what the Bible says, don't you? Jesus Christ is our righteousness. So he tells you this is what you're to do. This is how you're to do it. Now you have everlasting treasures. And I'm going on vacation. <laughs> and if you're here this morning, that's the lesson. You can go to heaven if you put all of the junk out of the way. Put all of the false doctrine out of the way. And just simply come and say, God, I want your son, the doctrine of Christ, to rule in my life. I want Christ to be my king, my savior, my Lord, my everything. And I have faith in you with all of my heart. Causing you to repent. That is change your mind about who's going to direct your life. Confess before men the sweetest name that's ever been named, that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. And be baptized for the remission of your sins as you enter into the death of Christ and become a partaker and a part of the death of Christ. You become a part of the resurrection of Christ. As you're baptized into Christ, into his death, where his blood was shed, and you become a part of God's family. Won't you come while together we stand and sing?